I think everyone's just used to maybe their ideas getting shot down a couple of times. I can't say yes to everything, but I, I think just saying, wow, thank you for bringing that up. That's actually like interesting. Let's let's work on it or let me bring it up to the other managers and let's see if we can do something like that. But just acknowledging that they are having the balls to say something. I think that's the way of not just like shooting their ideas down, just saying thank you and keep the ideas coming. We want to listen to more ideas. You're listening to The Hospitality Leaders. Each week on the show, we bring you conversations with leaders in the hospitality, event, and food service industries. Our conversations help you understand the state of the industry, the challenges we all face today, and what the future holds. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more resources at hospitalityleaderspodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Upshift. Our on-demand staffing platform allows businesses to hire high-quality hourly workers with peace of mind. Find out more at upshift.work. I'm here today with Eileen Andrade, and she is the owner and creator at Tafinka. How are you doing today, Eileen? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I am really excited for this conversation. To give everybody a little context, you've got three restaurants there in, in South Florida, specifically the Kendall and Doral area, if you're familiar with South Florida, and that's Finca, Amelia's 1913, and Barbacoa. Very exciting. So, so Eileen, how did you get into this? So maybe give us the short version of your ascent to where you are right now. I'll try to give you the shortest version possible. So my parents grew up in the restaurant industry. My grandfather had a couple of restaurants in Cuba, five restaurants and bars in Cuba. They came over to Miami for political reasons. And my grandfather continued to work in the restaurant industry, came here with 500 bucks and started off as a busboy and built his way up until he had his first restaurant called El Teide, which was like a eight seating countertop where they didn't really have a menu. It was kind of whatever he can find and put together. And it was, my grandfather was the chef. My uncle was a sous chef. My mom was the server and my grandmother was making the coffee. So that's how we started here in Miami. Fast forward 44 years later, my mom has two restaurants called Islas Canarias, the Canary Islands. That's where my great grandparents are from. And, and yeah, I grew up in the industry, but seeing as laborious and demanding as it was, I kind of said, I do not want to follow in my mom's footsteps. So I went to to design school and I studied fashion merchandising and I got a bachelor's in fashion merchandising. And I did styling for a couple of years here in Miami. But at the time, fashion wasn't, it's still not at its peak in Miami, but it just wasn't where, wasn't where New York and LA was. And I wasn't really willing to move there. So I, I said, well, I'm going to take a break from fashion and I'm going to go ahead and give this family business thing a shot. So I went ahead and started working with, with my mom at a, a bakery that I helped her open, which was a bakery and a restaurant as well. We were kind of trying to find the angle. And I kind of was, I said, let's just do two and one. We'll do a half of it, a bakery and the other half we'll do a full service restaurant. So that ended up being very successful. And that's where I kind of got my feet wet. I started off with managing and and it was interesting. I had to manage people a lot older than me when I was 20 years old. It taught me a lot. And after managing, I went to back of the house. So I did hotline. I did pastry. I was helping do like croquetas, bocaditos. I did all the stations. And I realized that my heart was really in, in the back of the house. And I just like love the adrenaline in the kitchen. And, and that's just like kind of what sparked this whole thing of like, okay, Okay, I can do this. I like it. I felt like I was being artistic with the food and I felt like I was still managing a team. So I opened a food truck. That was my first baby. That was called Cuban Cube. And I was 21, maybe. Yeah. Well, 21, 22. And I did that with my brother, Jonathan, who's also in the family business. And we did that for a few years. It was 
interesting to work <laughs> with my brother on the road for sure in the heat, in the Miami heat. And we did some really cool things. And then eventually I said, okay, I think we've established a name for ourselves on our own without being tied to the my parents' restaurant. And I opened my first brick and mortar, Finca Table and Tap in 2014. And we've been here for eight years. And since then, we've opened Amelia's 1931 about five years ago, which right now we are expanding. We just got a liquor license. And in about two months, we should be fully open with 150 seats. We went from 50 seats to 150 now with a full liquor license. And we're changing the concept to be more of like a fine dining, speakeasy vibe, the first of its kind in, in West Kendall. And my latest project that I opened in October of this year is called Barbacoa, which is in, in Doral. And that is all of my concepts are Latin Asian fusion, craft bar, trying to source as many local ingredients as we can and just giving value to the guests, honest prices, honest food, good service, and great cocktails. That's outstanding. Well, yeah, first of all, great rise to where you are right now. I think that's an awesome story for everybody here. When you look at your your concepts you have right now, and I mean, you, are, you, you have a, a consistent theme going throughout them right now, but what out of any of this are you excited about most right now, right? I mean, like you, you mentioned your liquor license, you mentioned obviously expanding Amelia's. What kind of things are you excited about as you continue to grow? I think I'm just getting more granular and geeky in the bar right now. I've always loved cooking. I've always loved food. Obviously, I grew up in the kitchen with my family, but at the other restaurants, my parents' restaurants, they don't really have a strong bar program because it's kind of a mom and pop kind of vibe. And we were the first people to kind of bring this craft cocktail bar culture to West Kendall. So I've learned a lot. And as much as I love cooking, I think being a liquid chef is kind of funner because you don't sweat as much and you kind of are doing the same thing. I'm not a bartender. I'm not trying to be a bartender, but I do think that a successful and a a very good bar is essential to, to a restaurant. Proper cocktails, proper ice, a really good back bar with a good selection. And so I've been kind of diving into that, that part of the business lately, for sure. And now with Amelia's, we're going like fine dining cocktails. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. I love that phrase liquid chef, right? So so now I, you got my mind turning here, right? So like what kind of what kind of elements or what kind of things do you and your team find really exciting in that in that space in the bar space? Well, I just feel like it's kind you're kind of being a cook in the sense of you're mixing ingredients and making them balanced. You have to know flavor profiles, you have to know about dilution, you have to know about shelf life for certain juices or syrups, playing around with bitters, that's always fun. I just feel like there's more freedom because most people who sit at the bar say, hey, I'm in the mood for something light, refreshing and spicy. And then you get to create. No one sits at a table and says, hey, tell the chef to make me something light, fresh and can't do that. So there's just so much freedom in the bar. And and my staff is very creative. We're all pretty. A lot of them are musicians or photographers. So we just like to create and uh, and we try to get together and do bi-weekly cocktails where everyone kind of puts their input, whether it's back of the house chef says, hey, I got some extra peppers, let's do something. Or my front of the house staff says, hey, a lot of people have been asking for lavender in our cocktails, whatever. So what we like to do is make group decisions here and get and listen to everyone's opinions on what to do next. So how do you get to that point where people feel empowered to kind of bring their ideas, right? Because... I think it's really easy to come and say, hey, people want more drinks with lavender in them and then just stare at you, right? Like, <laughs> hey, do you have any more ideas about what you could do with lavender? So how do you get them to engage and bring their ideas and their flavor and their perspective to these meetings? 
particularly at Finca, I think we've been here eight years. A lot of our staff has been here since day one. They know that you know, communication is a two-way street. We speak, they listen, they give their opinion. We listen, we assess the situation there, but we definitely listen to our employees. And, uh, and I think they're just used to it. They know that they can communicate whatever they need to communicate, whether it's an idea or a critique or something that can make the restaurant better. And I think that's what makes our team here so tight-knit because everyone says, oh, we're like a family here. And it, it really is like that. We don't necessarily hang out every day, but we spend most of our time here. It's just like our, everyone's right. second home. So I think the communication aspect and listening is so, so important. Well, that's huge. And so I got to imagine with three restaurants and a ton going on right now, and I'm not sure if that food truck's still around, but with the-, <laughs> with the my house. It's, I'm trying to sell it. <laughs> It's taking up space on my lawn. You can't have that. (laughs) So with three restaurants, how are you finding time to to make your team feel valued, create that communication channel to, to really bring that family environment out? I think presence is super important. I come here to Finca every day. I show face whether for if it's for an hour or 10. I come in every single day. I walk in the kitchen, they have a little coffee ready for me. It's We have our pre-shift, we talk about any issues. Every Thursday, I have meetings with all my managers. It's our operations day. So all the restaurants, we all get together, you know, one hour every Thursday, we just go over what are the issues, what are people talking about? And, and be, yeah, I think being present, but not being an absentee owner is like very important, which you can be an investor and that's great. But if you're the owner and the face, you need to be here. And I think the people appreciate that. Even the guests as well. Like they'll be like, oh, wow, you're here. I saw you on the website. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not an illusion. I'm a real person. But I think them seeing you and just like having a human connection is important. That is absolutely great. I mean, I know that that connection is always, it's difficult to to build, but once you have it, it's got to be very, very valuable on both sides, right? Yeah, it's good and it's, it has its pros and its cons because sometimes you make decisions based on your heart instead of like what's good for the business. But there's some sort of balance that I've learned from my mom to have like some sort of compassion and then do what's right for the business kind of thing. It has to be, it has to be a balance. So, so how do you, so your employees will bring you all these concepts. How do you get to a point where you have to maybe go against what they're looking at, but still keep them engaged, right? You know, they've got a great idea and you're like, ah, we really can't do that. And then keep them engaged. Like, how are you having that conversation? I mean, I think you just got to give them kudos for even speaking up and then saying, I don't think maybe that's like the right fit for right now, but I think everyone's just used to maybe their ideas getting shot down a couple of times. I can't say yes to everything, but I I think just saying, wow, thank you for bringing that up. That's actually like interesting. Let's, let's work on it. Or let me bring it up to the other managers and let's see if we can do something like that. But just acknowledging that they are having the balls to say something. Yeah. I think that that's the way of not just like shooting their ideas down, just saying, thank you and keep the ideas coming. We want to listen to more ideas. And that's so big these days, right? Because when you, anything you read right now, there's all these trends and there's always micro trends in employment, but communication is always consistent, right? They have, you have to be able to listen, understand, respond, and then they have to feel valued for the communication that they have, right? Right. So with your managers, and this is something I, I've seen a lot of lately, right? Where I'm talking to the owner, right? And the owner's like, yo, this is the vision. This is what we make happen. How do you get your managers to have the same mentality? That happens during the hiring process. I mean, it feel I feel like if you come from a background where maybe it's you 
worked at a restaurant or a hotel or something that was completely different than what we're doing here. And you don't, you're kind of set in your ways and you're probably not going to get hired. I think we evaluate all that when we speak to them, the first round of interviews, you have to be aligned. A lot of our managers, which is great, is they have been promotions from within. So two of our managers right now, one was a server for us for six years. The other one worked with us for four years behind the bar. So I feel they get it. They started. Right. And and when you promote from within, not only are you creating some, you're giving everyone kind of, what is the word I'm looking for? You're kind of getting everyone excited because they can do that as well. But these people, they worked other positions. So they know what they're looking for when they expect when they're expecting things from other for from their staff, they've worked that position. So I think that's really important. And promoting from within, I always tell people like this isn't there's no limit here. You start my best server, he's working right now actually, started as a dishwasher here, then became a busser. He dishwashed for like two days, but still he didn't speak English. So he started as a dishwasher because he had just come from Cuba. And he was just trying to get his foot in the door. Then he became a busser and he really wanted to be a server. And I said, Go start taking classes, Get take some English classes. You have everything else. You're smart, how to work the floor. And now he's my number one server. He's been with us since day one. And I think that just, I love seeing that. I love seeing that. And that has to make for a phenomenal culture. So have you ever hired managers from outside of your organization and brought them in? I have, I have. Right now I have about two so actually, no, three have been promoted and two were from outside. And they've been here for one for seven and one for six years, or maybe even both for seven, but they've been here a while. So like I said, we don't have a lot of turnover because we do try to create this like atmosphere where obviously it's not a circus, but it's comfortable to work here because we're not on everyone's butt. Everyone knows what they need to do. As long as you have the proper training, but if you make mistakes, that's on you. It's not on us kind of thing. And I always say like everyone gets fired. If you get fired from Finca, you fired yourself. We didn't right. have it out for you. We weren't trying to get you out the door. We gave you all the tools. We told you what we expected and we're here for you for whatever you need. So if you get fired, it's that's on you. I've had to unfortunately terminate a lot of people in my career. And I think that's what it always boils down to, right? Is can you shake their hand at the end of the day? Because they knew this was coming right. because most likely they did it to themselves, right? right. And they pretty much everybody knows that. Yeah. And it's an uncomfortable situation to be in, but it is what it is. We're running a business and sometimes we have to make those calls. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you're taking your crystal ball and you're kind of looking out right now, right? And I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to go back to this liquid chef concept, right? Because if you're excited about talking about it, I'm excited about talking about it. So, So what kind of things are you seeing coming kind of down the pike as far as that goes in the future? Well, my partner, she really wants to open a bar. I told her, give me a couple of years because I got to get Amelia's going. And that's going to be probably there every day for two years until I can kind of step away and say, all right, you're good. You're good. Three restaurants are good. And our dream is to open a really cool cocktail bar. So that's kind of what I see in my crystal ball. We'll see how that pans out. But after that, after the bar, I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm done. (laughs) Because everyone's like, when are you opening in Broward? When are you opening in Fort Lauderdale? I'm like, can you find me a clone machine? Because I physically can't do it. And I don't want to spread myself too thin either. I've seen so many restaurateurs and chefs like open five, four, four, five, six places. And then they forget about the first baby. And then when that starts crumbling, that's why I, I try to always come back to here, to Finca. This is my baby. This is what I need to take care of. This is my bread and butter. So... So I definitely don't want to spread myself too thin. 
Well, I think that's phenomenal. And I think that's a hard concept for people to understand, right? Is it you have to kind of understand where you are, where you want to be, and then also when to say stop. Right. Because I don't think that's easy to do in this industry. Yeah, because I'm very ambitious. My mom's even more ambitious. My mom is like, we got to do this. We got to do that. And I'm like, well, you want to retire like in a couple of years. And I eventually I'm going to have to take over my parents' places when they retire. So I'll have three. I'll have two of theirs. I have hopefully a bar. It'll be a lot on my plate. And it's not because I'm not ambitious. I just want to be able to like have a family and enjoy life, which is to me like I'm learning that as a concept this year that life is short and you need to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. I think uh, people who overwork themselves, it's the one thing they go back and regret, right? Is that they right. didn't take the time to do the things they wanted to do. Yeah. They just I poured see my themselves mom, you know, and, and she's 65 and, or maybe a little older than that, but she's 66. She, she is enjoying life now. And that's where I don't want to be. I'd rather enjoy now and maybe work a little harder later. I don't know. I don't know really what the right formula is, but I definitely want to enjoy life and travel and do things. I don't want to be doing that when I'm, when I'm about to retire. Well, it sounds like you've built an amazing culture and a great team. So I'm guessing you have a, a little bit of flexibility in your future coming to be able to enjoy some of those things. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I always like wrapping up the show by kind of looking ahead at the future and thinking about the future leaders that are coming in. So if you had to give somebody some advice as they were coming into the the hospitality industry right now, what kind of advice would you give them? It sounds corny, but I'm going to say lead by example. A lot of people are surprised to see a manager or the owner on my hands and knees scrubbing something in the toilet, plunging the toilet, like in the bathroom, plunging the toilet, helping the dishwashers, like People, that's how you gain respect and that's how you gain a staff that that you can retain because they want to work for you because they know that you're not here to just make money off them or just to make a quick buck. You're here because you are passionate about it. You want to like work as a team to make sure everyone's comfortable, to make sure we put out the best work and give the best service and serve the best food. And as long as you're passionate about it and you can lead, whether it's with your words or your actions, but I, I found that to be like weird for people. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, my other boss, he would just show up and sit and have dinner with his friends. And that's it. He didn't talk to us. We didn't have human connection with the owner of the other restaurant. And I feel like that's important to to be physically here on their team, working side by side with them and just having that level of respect that goes two ways. I think that's absolutely that has to be one of the key factors as to why you have such an amazing culture in all of your restaurants is because when people can see you side by side with themselves, you're able to build off of that, right? It's not, it's not like trying to look down on people and people never right. feel that way, right? No, no, no. It's about lifting them up and just saying, you want to do this too, which it's a crazy idea. Owning a restaurant is a crazy idea, but you can do it. And as long as you have a drive and good work ethic, then you shouldn't have an issue. That is awesome. That is, I could not agree more. So Eileen, if people want to find out more about your restaurants, where can they go? So uh, I guess the easiest way is through social media, Instagram, Finca Table and Tap, Amelia's 1931, Barbacoa by Finca. We have our websites up. We got Instagram. That's We put most mostly posts on Instagram and we always have like fun events going on. We had a cocktail class yesterday at Barbacoa. We're planning a murder mystery dinner for October at Finca. So we've always got fun events happening and we always post it on social media so they can check it out there. 
That's awesome. And if people wanted to reach out to you, is there, are you sure. on like LinkedIn or something or where can uh, they reach out to I you? I think I have a LinkedIn profile, but I never check it. Yeah. On, on Instagram, Eileen Andrade. I'm there. I always respond to all my messages. So you can always reach out. Awesome. Well, that is wonderful. Eileen, thank you so much for your time today. A lot of great information and I wish you the best, especially on your expansion thank and you. As, as you continue to grow. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. And we hope you found this episode insightful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review. You can find more information and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode at hospitalityleaderspodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Upshift. Our on-demand staffing platform allows businesses to hire high-quality hourly workers with peace of mind. Find out more at upshift.work.